Good evening, Julie. Good evening, Irene. I'm so glad you're on my podcast. Be happy, healthy and wealthy. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, you're such a busy lady and it's so good to have you on this podcast. Again, I believe you'll be able to give us so much of value and I'm sure my audience will benefit from this podcast very much. So, Julie, tell my audience, what do you do? What's your background? And uh, what's your story? Oh, wow. What's my story? Okay, so... What's my story? Wow, where do I start? So I'm, um, okay, so I was almost a straight A student and I was one of those students that got caught up in the UK of when the um, education system changed, should I say, back in the day. So I went to a grammar school and in my fourth year at the grammar school, um, the whole system, the whole process changed and I discovered that I was quite easily led. (laughs) So um, I left school the education system which when you you could back then leave at 16 legally um I left the first day I could which was a Tuesday so clear in my mind on the Wednesday I went down to the local if you like local high street found myself a job um and started work on the Thursday wow yeah back in the day um I was so good at math so good at math I could create or I could come up with an answer to a really long calculation quicker than somebody could do it on a calculator wow mental maths yeah it's sort of become a bit of a party piece at parties which sounds pretty boring but people never believed I was as quick as I was so they wanted me to prove it um and that sort of led me into a career in accountancy so I became um management accountant I then went into financial accounts so I came through from the root floor, bought ledger, sales ledger, um, accountancy processes into management accountancy and then into financial accountancy. Wow. And, and what happened, I was working for a firm in um, London and my boss. So and I'm, I'm sharing this story because it, it will really indicate the type of person I am. Mm. Um, And this comes from someone who used to hide behind her mum's skirts. So the change within me over a number of years has been huge. But my boss went on holiday one one year. um, And when he came back, he was away for two weeks. I didn't change anything I did the whole two weeks he was away. So I would work. I'd work my lunch hours more often than not. Um, I would always be in the office early because it was the time of the trains. I was always there about 20 minutes early and I just started work. I'm not one of the people who come into work, then have their breakfast, then have a conversation and then sit down and work. I was in, I was working, I was doing what I did. But to go home, if I left the office five minutes early, I would get home half an hour earlier because of the times of the trains. Mm. I'd always done it the whole time I'd been at this firm. So my boss went on, and my boss knew I did it. My boss went on holiday. And when he came back, he called me into the office and one of the members of staff had complained about me leaving five minutes early. Mm. And he was, he called me in to have a conversation with me about leaving five minutes early. And I said, but I've always done it. His name was Terry. I said, I've always done it, Terry. And our offices was, was a glass office. So he could see me. He used to see me go. He'd never said a word. Anyway, long story short, um, 
it was a small firm. There was about 28 people. It was an international company. Um, there was about 28 people. And I was so annoyed at what had happened that I asked every single person in that organization if they had had a conversation with Terry rather than talk to me about going five minutes early. And every single one of them said, no, it wasn't me. Every And I'm like, well, one of you's lying. So um, ultimately what I did, I left. I handed my notice in, went out, got another job, handed my notice in. And two months after I'd left, the firm shut down. Everybody was made redundant. Wow. And, it, and it, was, it, was a, it was a real, for me, it was a don't talk about me behind my back. If you've got something to say, talk to me, have the conversation with me. Mm. It would have been so much easier. So from that, I then decided I did not want to be stuck in an office with people backbiting didn't want any of that so um I found a job as a as an auditor so I went from accountancy into auditing <laughs> in that's a, good you know, yeah you'll be in there to tell them absolutely got a company car and I was out of the office the majority of the time which sort of gave me a sense of freedom still worked hard I'm, I'm a I'm a hard worker I work when I work I work really well mm. Um, so I went into auditing, which, and that was in retail. And this is going to indicate, and you might not even remember this, Irene. Back in the day, we used to have electronic tills in supermarkets where you'd pull a handle, you'd you'd wrap up the yeah yeah I remember. So um, at the time, that was still happening. And then what happened? So I was doing the auditing, and that really got me. I'd go in and do the audit, then I'd write the report, and then we'd have a meeting. And I hated the thought of a store manager who was under a lot of pressure and a lot of duress. Retail's a hard game. Mm. Um, getting hauled over the coals because they weren't doing something right. And sometimes they just didn't know because the processes had changed, systems had changed, whatever. So before I left the store, I used to train them in the thing so that when I wrote the report, they were already better. Mm. And then I would follow that through. So it got me into learning and development and training on the financial side. I then ended up in that organization being part of the team that installed the electronic point of sale. So the scanning mm. checkouts. Yeah. And because my background was finance, I got involved in training the cash office staff in the new system but nobody knew how the new system worked. <laughs> so I had to investigate the system and then train somebody in it. So I was learning it and then immediately training it, which then led me in to realise that within that, within that company, there were learning and development professionals. Mm. They were teaching managers how to manage. They were teaching the store managers um, what, what to do and how to do it, like management, the human element of business. And I didn't think they were doing a very good job. <laughs> so I said to one of my colleagues, they're not very good. They're not, they're not dealing with the problems. So one of the learning and development people left, and my colleague said to me, Well, why don't you apply for the job? Put your, you know, put your feet where your mouth is and do a better job. So I applied. I got the job. I'm shaking my head. I got the job. I don't know why they gave me the job. Clearly, they saw something in me that I didn't see. Anyway. Mm gave me the job and that was what really triggered my whole career in learning and development 
enabling people to be the best version of themselves they can be. A trajectory. Oh, unbelievable. I took the management graduate program over and we we had stats. So um, we used to send them out to do, at the time it was an HND, so a professional qualification back in the day for, for that particular organisation was an HND. We used to send them to college and it was a lot of money. And I looked at the um, stats on the people that had successfully got the qualification at the end of the year and it was something like 2%. Uh-huh. Oh, exactly. And I thought, well, that's, that's just nonsense. So I looked at what was happening. And from the first year I took it on, that qualification rate was 100%. From wow. The, from the first year I took it on. And what I did, I paid attention to it. I asked them questions about what they were learning. And I the week they were at college, so a week a month they were at college, um, on the Friday afternoon, I went over to see a presentation from the trainees as a group on what they had learned during that week. Mm. So I didn't do a lot apart from pay attention to what they were doing and be interested in what they were doing. And it was a 100% completion rate every single year I run that program. Because it's the accountability. Yeah. It's because you're supervising them and they knew they had to learn. Yeah. They're not leaving it to the end. Yeah, absolutely. And and interestingly on that as well, and I'll, I'll share a little story and I'm not going to tell you who it is because you know some people may know, but one of the one of the um graduates that I recruited, he went to college and I always remember having a conversation with him about he didn't feel he could write. Mm. And I said to him, Yes, you can, you know, I'm sure you can. We can we all can, but you know, let's let's get that practice in. He now writes books. Wow. For famous people. So he, he like ghostwrites. Wow. For famous people. That's what his profession is now. Wow. And part of me thinks if I hadn't have had that conversation with him Ooh. back in the day, what would he be doing now? Wow. That is a coach. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And then so from that, I've been in learning and development ever since. So over 30 years, um, I was a partner in so I've been self-employed employed I was a partnership in a business and now I'm just I, I'm just me I do what I do um, and when I was a partner in a business I worked with a company again based in London but we worked exclusively with the non-profit sector and all that that may entail from charities to government uh, yeah from charities to government and any anything in between um, and that was a value-driven thing mm. uh, I've earned less money than I could have because my the job satisfaction was more important to me I took um, a pay cut at the partnership to get an additional month's holiday a year but I kept the same targets so mm. my targets didn't reduce my salary reduced I worked doubly as hard almost to get an additional month's holiday a year wow so um yeah I I, I just love doing what I do just love it. Yeah, I can see that in you. That uh, that's what you you like. It's like your passion. Yeah. So is. so Julie. So it's interesting to understand your story because that, in a way, kind of define your your drive, your goals, your values. In in a sense, that over the years, you kind of decipher that, isn't it? Yeah. And that's why you're on this clear direction. 
So yeah. can I ask you, so mm-hmm. what drives you in life? What What is the driver in your life? Well, do you know what? It's very interesting you ask that question because I am currently, re- not no, not currently, that's wrong. What drives me in life is actually enabling others to be the best version of themselves. And that means that for me to be able to do that, I have to be the best version of myself. Mm. So I never train, coach, mentor, whatever it is I'm doing, anything with anybody that I have not been able to apply to my life. Mm. So, you know, if I if I teach transparency, which is a, you know, a method of communication. I know, I saw your program, yeah. Yeah. If, so if I teach transparency, I have to be able to do it myself. So mm. I have been that young child that hid behind her mum's skirts and wouldn't say boo to a goose I will now I am now able to be very clear um have clarity and challenge people where people need to be challenged because I can't teach others how to do that if I don't do it um you know if, if I teach anything to do with conflict you're managing conflict resolving conflict what conflict is or anything like that I have to be able to manage conflict myself. So I have to be able to walk towards it. If I teach something linked to stress, I have to know that my life mentally and physically is in a good place because I can't teach stress management if I'm stressed. I know, yeah. It's, It's you are one of those who's teaching what you've walked Yes. Not just teaching people the talk, but not yeah. the walk. You yeah. understand what I'm saying, yeah? Yeah, I do. Because a lot I of do. people can teach, you know. They will just, t- you know, like regurgitate all this theory yeah. from a book. Yeah. But in order to be able to obviously have a good outcome, you know, they have to demonstrate, you know, that that teacher needs to demonstrate that this is what I've done, you know. Well, it's, the, it's being the role model, isn't it? And I think when you're a role model... And that sounds really important. But when you're a role model, when you're in a in a position where people are either paying you for a service or looking up to you for a service, whatever, whatever that looks like, you I just think you have to be you. It's 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 ethical. It's ethical mm. behavior within life and within business. And I say ethical because rather than authentic. Mm. because ethical is about being honest whereas I could be authentic but I could be the biggest liar on the planet mm. so I would be authentic to my lying oh. whereas <laughs> I, I I find it I see all these things about authentic leadership and I'm like yeah but that's that's okay but what are you being authentic to mm. whereas if you're talking about ethical leadership or ethical management or you know, it's about morals and values. Morals and values, yeah. So I, I have, I've had some very strong thoughts about those two words over the That's last. That's interesting, years. isn't it? Yeah, right. With with regards to it, what you've just said, you, you've given me. You know, I, I was about to ask you all these different ones, but we'll we'll come into it. You know, the transparency, you know, the self awareness, the conflict, the goal setting. You've got so many things in your program, and I was like. So how does it work in a program? But anyway, I'll ask you that later. But I'm still haven't finished with the driver. <laughs> I would still haven't finished with oh. that. I know you said you want to make help people to be the best version of themselves. So 
that sounds like your value, I mean, that that value is contribution, isn't it? Under the needs. Is that right? Human. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah? Could, yes. So contribution, yeah. your top thing? No. <laughs> no, but it's your top needs. <laughs> my top value is freedom. Okay. Freedom. So my top, my top value is honesty. Yeah, and freedom, and they interact. They they flippin. But my my top thing is honesty and freedom. They're so closely combined. So when <laughs> when we're talking about values, if my value is freedom, which basically means to me, do what you want, when you want, how you want, with who you want. When I am delivering programs or creating programs, it it stymies my value of freedom. And it's it's been a real learning curve because when you're doing and I do I do quite a few things. But when I'm doing what I'm doing, I have to reduce my freedom to allow me to do the thing that I'm doing. Yeah, so I have to consciously give myself a good talking to. Mm. <laughs> but I have to sit and focus because otherwise I'd, I'd just be off and then I wouldn't do what I want to do. Mm. So contribution isn't actually my highest value and it is a real driver Mm, okay I know what you mean right okay so that's the answers obviously to the values the needs I mean they are kind of related isn't it yeah so why why are you so into honesty so what kind of thing that more you while you're growing up what so why you're so focused on honesty is it something that caused you to be is the big thing for you? Uh, yes, is the honest answer. Um, and I didn't really work this out until a little while ago. <laughs> so I used to lie. Um, I was a very good liar. And I just thought, I woke up one day and I thought, what? You've just got to remember so much when you're lying. So I made a decision on that day that I was never going to lie again. Um, so I basically, I don't lie anymore. Mm. Um, and I will not avoid telling the truth because by, and, and, I, and I'll tell you what did happen. Um, when I was in the retail field, and this really taught me a, a big lesson, I didn't lie and I didn't gossip because mm. that's just a big no-no for me as well. Because that goes against transparency, and I didn't really know that's what it was at the at the time. But I used to manage these graduate trainees, and they was in the big superstores, and they and I had to build relationships with the superstore managers to put the mm-hmm. trainee into the training. The trainee got the best training, and I would go around the superstores, and quite a few of the store managers would be moaning to me about their regional director. Mm. Now, I didn't join in the gossip. I didn't join in the conversation. But, of course, I heard it. Mm. And I didn't challenge it to tell them to stop it. Mm. And what happened, I got called into the regional director's office because we were, you know, we were um, regional staff. And he said to me, you've been gossiping about me. And I, in all honesty and genuineness, said, no, I haven't. Because I hadn't. I hadn't said Mm. anything. And he said, Well, so-and-so has told me. So one of these store managers who was moaning to me about him had told him that I was doing the complaining. Really? Yeah. And I'm like, hang on a minute. And at that point, my sense of injustice fired. And I said, 
no, hang on, we need to have a conversation about that. This, this that is not true. Conversation ensued, and and I will never forget his words. And he said to me, "But by not challenging the person that's doing the gossiping, you are colluding with it." Mm. And I thought, "You're absolutely right. Yeah, absolutely right." And that was a big lesson. So again, me being me, and I said to him, "It will never happen again. It will never happen again." Thank you for the conversation. Really tough feedback, but you know, thank you for the conversation. Um. I then, me being me, went and spoke to the store managers who had complained to him about me gossiping and had a very deep, in-depth conversation with them about why they felt the need to tell him something about me that, you know, whatever it was they told. And it, and it was very interesting because it changed dynamics in the relationships. There was a lot more, I'm going to say, trust and openness within the relationships. Now, this was probably when I was... I'm going to say maybe 29-ish, mm. something around that age. And I've, and I've just kept that I've just kept that going. I've kept that going for the last however many decades on top of 28, 29. You know, because it's just, it's just be true. Be honest, be true. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually learned that. But I didn't make that full commitment like what you've done. Actually, I know this friend... Um, I don't like to gossip. Same thing. I was working and we were junior doctors. I mean, we were just GP trainees that time many years ago. And the other people didn't like this girl. And we were going out and we didn't call her. And they were gossiping about her. But I know her, but she's, she's not the greatest person. But I wouldn't add anything into that, you know. So I just kept quiet. I didn't challenge it. But I felt bad. You know, yeah. and yeah. for her, I knew like you can sense she'll probably think that I'm kind of talking about her behind her back, but I didn't. You know, it was other yeah. people, but again, like what you say, I didn't like challenge what those people were saying, and I feel bad. You know what? One day I actually apologized to her. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't explain to her, I said I didn't do anything towards you I just want to you know clear this out I'm sorry if you you know I just explained to her but yeah. I didn't really say that because I didn't want her to know that the other people were saying bad things about her so yeah. I just say I just want to clear the air you know but anyway so that was me clearing with my heart you know I don't yeah. care what she's gonna think of me because I didn't actually draw the full picture because Again, if I draw the full picture, it means that I'm going to tell the truth about what yeah. other people said about her. So I just kind of wanted, you know, to clear on my side that I didn't do it, you know. But yeah. I want to say sorry because I didn't do the right thing, you know. Yeah. Anyway, I say that to her and uh, that's it. So she's been around for, for, for years now. So we, we're still talking to each other. But again, obviously not in a deep level, but I knew I have make the stand but again it's I have learned that as well because actually sometimes I realize sometimes I say things in front of my kids and they learn you know yeah and you know what sometimes the feedback I get from my kids is you mentioned that in front of us and I was like oh no I shouldn't say that. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying some of the things you know I should have said in front of the kids 
I, I'm not gossiping, but uh, you know, I mentioned something which I know I'm not going to mention in front of that person. But if I'm not going to yeah. mention in front of that person, I shouldn't be saying in front of my kids. Do you understand? Yeah. I I I do that, and that's what transparency is, and what gossip is. If if we wouldn't say it to the person's face, then you shouldn't say behind. Let's go to transparency program then, since we're on this, because it's such an important thing. Because these are the the factor that actually helps in the culture in the business or whatever organization. So tell me about your transparency and communication program. Well, it's what do you do? I mean, well, I mean, I can I've I've trained this for years into into businesses, so I can do it into a business, or I can do it with an individual, and it is basically understanding what transparency means, and then being able to communicate the message in a way, whatever the message is, that enables other people to hear it. <laughs> Excuse me. And of course, we cannot we cannot make people understand what we mean unless we are involved enough to have a conversation so transparency is about being honest it's about sharing the right information at the right time for the right reason um whether that be in private or public whether it be to an individual or to a group especially within business um and transparency is around identifying the principles like the foundational principles of why we are doing what we're doing and then living those principles through every communication we have and once you've got the solid principles in place mm. it's so much easier to have then have the conversation so I'll give you a classic for um for a business one so every business and this is this is an absolute classic. Every business has to have a bottom line, profit and loss. Mm. Now, I'm not necessarily talking to them about profit and loss, but what I'm talking about is employing an individual to do a job. Mm. And that individual, for whatever reason, doesn't do the job as well as they could. So mm. for many businesses, that would then involve the, the whole process of going through the performance management route. Mm. And what happens is, and I see this over and over and over and over and over, I cannot tell you how many times I've seen this. The manager, the leader, whatever the title is, will not have the initial conversation about somebody's performance slipping at the beginning because they think it's all right and it's not going to be a problem. Mm. So what happens is they leave it and 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 leave it. Until until the individual has got themselves into such a mess mm. that it's going to take a lot more energy, a lot more effort um, and a lot more time to get that person back up to scratch. Now, had the manager had a little noticing conversation right at the beginning, mm. none of that would have happened. Yeah, it's not as big a deviation. Yeah, it's a conversation rather than an employment law process. Mm. so and that comes from knowing what the principle is when you're managing people with their performance so I talk to I talk to managers about new member of staff so for, I'm not even going to go down the recruitment process here or the you know the onboarding as such but you get a new member of staff and on day one my true belief 
for all of the for many many reasons is on day one that member of staff knows what their objectives are so that for the six months of the probationary period or three months of the probationary period the manager manages them Mm. because at the end of that probationary period um that person gets confirmed in post Mm. or probation is extended but with reasons or they're dismissed Mm. nobody should get to the end of their six month however long probationary period and not know how they're doing without feedback they have to have the feedback in that period and the manager and i say this i get really passionate about this stuff because when we manage well we we enrich people's lives when we lead well it's an even better result when we manage poorly lead poorly we destroy people yeah you know and as a firm if if you've not got good management procedures in place from the heart with love to enable people to be the best versions of themselves your business is going to really suffer Mm. i i worked with um, a chief exec in a in a company i'm not going to say any more than that and one of her directors told her that he was working at 50 percent of his capacity that was one of the directors 50 percent of his capacity wow. so i was working with her on a one-on-one basis saying to her well you know what needs to happen <laughs> what are you going to do about it how are you going to manage this but he was waiting for somebody to notice. And that was a director level on a really good salary. Wow. She couldn't have the conversation with him. Do you, what did she say? Why? Uh, no. Well, she didn't. She wasn't confident enough to challenge a director. So she had a little bit of that. She was a female in a male dominated industry. She was the chief exec of the, of the organization. All of her directors were male and she did whatever whatever it was going on for her she didn't she didn't have the confidence to have that conversation um she did she had the conversation and he bucked his ideas up and started working more (laughs) Mm. but you know people need a lot of people need to know that they're actually doing the right thing and it's okay to do that Mm. it's it's fascinating what goes on i've worked with boards of trustees who infight i've worked with you know senior management another another story senior management team i was working with um and i knew this company had changed their brand two years before Mm. i was doing this team day with them because of what people had shared with me, which I then couldn't share with the chief exec because it was a confidential sharing, I knew that one of those directors had still not adopted the new brand uh, because he didn't like it. Not on board. Not on board with it. Um, he didn't believe in the waste of the branded, headed notepaper, envelopes, etc. Change. So he had continued to do all of his work, all of his marketing, all of his mail shots, whatever it was he was doing on the old branding. That Two is years. self-sabotaging. Yeah. But the chief exec didn't know. Nobody had told him. Oh, like, really? That, that is crazy, right? Yeah. I've got, I've got some 
fascinating stories. I know. Yeah, that's the interesting part, isn't it? That's that's actually, can I tell you something? Yeah. A lot of people try to avoid all these things. Yes. Because these are the hard grind. Yeah. For you, it's you find it interesting because I can see inside you, you like a challenge. You want something interesting. But you know what? A lot of leaders, a lot of um people try to avoid this because they just want things to be clean shave, to be easy. Did you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, no, not I chaotic. Yeah, I do. But by ignoring things and brushing them under the carpet, they just get bigger. I know. These things have to be handled otherwise you end up with well you just end up with a complete mess wow it's just you you end up with more conflict you end up with more problems you end up with less profit you end up with greater staff turnover and when that happens it's the good ones that go yeah the good ones see what's happening and they're not going to stay there yeah because they know they can do better job and you know better performance elsewhere so why do I want to stay in this hole you know if nobody's going to repair the hole unless the good one decide that I will be the change maker do you understand what I'm saying yeah I do well see what happens and this is the culture thing you you challenge it because you know it can be better um you accept it because you like it or you leave it and there's two there's two ways of leaving it you can leave it physically yeah leave it mentally Mm. so you stay and this is where stress can happen you stay working in an environment that you don't like because you don't feel you can physically leave Mm. and what happens is the good the good ones will challenge and then they'll leave physically Mm. leave Whereas some others just stay, they don't accept it, but they just stay in it mm. because their self-esteem's been been rocked. Okay, I know what you mean. Yeah. They rather just accept it and just uh get on with it, you know, yeah. it's fine, you know, until they could, you know, um bear with it, you know. Yeah, and it's it's not it's not good. It's not good for them. It's not wow, so I think thing. every organization needs a bit of shake up like that, isn't it? I love it. I love it. <laughs> I know. I can see that. Yes, that is my food. You know, yeah. that, that makes me feel good yeah. because it's I'm so That's where I want to be the change yeah. maker. Now, Julie, you mentioned about stuff, uh, good stress and bad stress. Can you elaborate a bit more about it? Yeah. So stress. The way the way I look at this, I've written a book on this, by the way. I know. Um, I saw. Yeah. Um, so there's there's two types of stress. There's eustress and there's distress. And um, stress compounds for good and for bad. And good stress, so like booking a holiday, getting married, all of that, like good stuff, um, actually compounds to the bad stuff like divorce, um, you know, being made redundant. They compound together. And there's actually a questionnaire that you can complete. And I'm going to get it on the website. But there's actually a questionnaire you can complete because stress can almost be predicted. Mm. Because the points add up. And when you get to a certain level of points, if you like, for want of a better way of describing it, you can almost predict 18 months into the future about the likelihood of being stressed. So the way I look at stress, the way I so we all need pressure. We have to have it. 
otherwise we just what do we do yeah just like not not yeah. doing the move yeah yeah so we need an equal level of support to challenge and the higher the level of support and challenge the better off we are as humans that's where yeah. we evolve performance yeah yeah but when we've got too much pressure that turns to stress which depend on how you look at it burnout stress mm. stress for me is the insidious build up of pressure when we don't release the pressure and it can come at us from work it can come at us from life it can come at us from personal relationships so it's not just one thing mm. and when that insidious stress gets us we are ill mm. and that can come out from a spots to tension across the back, to cancer. Mm. I mean, stress is an absolute destroyer of life from heart attacks, diabetes, all sorts of things. It's been proven. Mm. So for me, and I, and it doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't matter what gender you are, I've seen 21-year-old young men fall over and end up in hospital, wake up 10 days later, not knowing what had happened. Wow. And I've seen sort of, you know, I was stressed when I was about 30. I didn't know what it was. I got myself through it. I now know what it is. Mm. It's it's damaged me. So if I put, um, and I know what I do, and I still do it on occasions, <laughs> but, but I will, the, the physical manifestation shows through. Now, I now know what it is I do because I've learned and I know now know when I'm pushing the boundary and I can stop it. And more often than not now, I don't I just do not go there. But what amazes me is that people so stress is preventable. That is a key message for people that listening to this stress is preventable. The insidious stress that makes us ill is preventable. Mm. What I don't understand is why people, and I did it before I knew what I know now, they and even when they do know it, they push themselves to the edge and fall over. Um, I don't know. I still to this day don't understand why people do that because it's preventable, but it involves change and people don't want to change. Mm. It's never going to happen to them. So, it does. so Yeah, so, so let's give your example then. For example, because you said that there is warning sign, there are symptoms yeah. and there are telltale sign before the 18 months to come, you know, the prediction. Yeah. So, so let's give an example to this because so that my audience can kind of recognize it or uh, do a questionnaire that they can find online so that they can help themselves. Because obviously, you know, coming to you, you know, Obviously, you know, you've got a podcast, but again, you know, you you are a businesswoman, you know, that's yeah. your business, you see. Yeah. You know, you're not doing pro bono stuff. And obviously, they can buy your book. But in a sense that just make it simple. So what, what sort of symptoms are you talking about here? It can be anything. So um, symptoms could be you've got a cold. Uh, symptoms could be that you um, have a permanent runny nose, but you don't know why. Symptoms could be, and this is one of the key ones, you've got digestive issues, you've got gut problems. And I can tell you why all that happens, which I'm sure you know, but mm. you've got gut problems or you've got a real tension. So either a backache or across your shoulders. Or a headache. Headaches. Um, or, or you come out in a rash. Mm. 
you know, or um, you get irritated at little things. Can't sleep. Yeah, can't sleep. Um, your, your diet changes. You may drink more alcohol. You may eat more food or less food because it all depends on who we are as the individual. You may smoke more or um, start smoking. So various things. Um, so the symptoms are different for individuals because we are unique in our own right. Mm. So it's not the same for every person. So the more self-aware we are, mm. the likelihood that we will know it's 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 beginning to build. Of and it basically happens because when we're under pressure and pressure. So sorry, when we're yeah, when we're under pressure that builds to stress, stress is a perception of a thing. So dependent on how we perceive scenarios and situations. The, the more self-aware we are, the more we can deal with things. So the more we grow and develop yeah. our own skill set, our own characteristics, we can deal with more. Yeah. But for some people, having a really challenging conversation puts them into fear. Mm. When you're in fear, you you the body, regardless of what we do, goes into fight or flight. Mm. When it goes into fight or flight, everything changes within our inner system and the adrenaline kicks in. I mean, that's just well, just one thing. The adrenaline kicks in. The the um, oxygen goes from your brain to your muscles. Mm. The saliva coat goes out your mouth, which is why people get really dry mouths when they're nervous. Mm. And it goes into your into your muscles, your oxygen, your blood. Everything goes into your muscles because you are either gonna stump the living daylights out of somebody or mm. run like the clappers, basically. Mm. But of course, in the society we live in now. So our internal body hasn't evolved as much as our external and, and brain, the knowledge we have, you know, like yeah. all the work. We we still operate as if we were a Neanderthal internally. Yeah. So when all of that happens, we physically don't hit and we physically don't run. And I'm t- all tensed up, but we physically don't hit. We physically don't run. And for most of us, what we do is we stay in the situation. Mm. So by staying in the situation, our body is permanently in fight or flight. Mm. And that's what's called a being aroused. Mm. What we have to do is then learn how to relax. So we put our body back into its relaxed state, which then converts. It just basically gets rid of the adrenaline that's pumping and, and, and other stuff. But it's we need pressure. Because that pump of adrenaline gets us through all sorts of things. And there are many stories of where people who have lifted cars off of people, you know, they've lifted tree trunks off of people. Because in that moment, the strength and the power that comes from the fight flight response makes miracles out of people. Mm. I saw somebody, an absolute true story, many years ago. He was chainsawing a a tree up on a farm. I was in the kitchen. It was probably half a mile walk from where he was chainsawing. He was with somebody. Um, I was in in a kitchen and I turned round because the back door opened. I turned round and this guy had chainsawed his leg. Yeah. And the and the the gap on the it, it like he'd chainsawed his top of his thigh and then he'd skipped down his thigh towards his knee. And the cut, he was quite a chunky guy, 
the cut on the top of his leg was probably, I'm now remembering, I don't know, an inch deep. He walked from the front field into the kitchen. This was almost before mobile phones were were leading, you know, as they are now. He walked into the kitchen to, to tell myself and my partner at the time what happened. There wasn't a drop of blood in that cut, not a drop of blood. So his whole body had shut the blood flow down to that particular piece of his leg. Oh. We called the ambulance, and until that ambulance arrived, there wasn't any blood in that wound. Wow. He he he's he's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. So this fight flight response keeps us alive. So what we have to do is utilize it in the best way it, it can be used. Wow. So stress is a build-up of the perception of fear basically yeah. puts us the into perception of, of fear. Yeah, because you'd be afraid of something that I'm not afraid of. Yeah, it's different. People is different. And our definition, the meaning we put to certain yeah. things, you know, it, yeah, I, I completely agree. Like somebody will be afraid of a complaint or somebody will yeah. be, I know my husband won't care, you know. Um, <laughs> and, you know, or, or you look at Elon Musk, you know, he'll be like, that's fine. Thousands of workers, no worries. Yeah, absolutely. So stress is absolutely 100% individual to the person. Would you say it's self-induced? I think it can be, yeah. So anxiety is a forward-focused worry, concern. Forward, yeah. Forward focus. So when you're when you're anxious about something, you're perceiving something to be going to happen. Going to happen, yeah. And if that creates a fear, it will leave your body in. It will put your body into that fight flight response. Mm -hmm. So people who suffer from anxiety or worry, forward focused about forward something that focus. may happen, just you know, I'm going to say just. I know it's not as simple as that. My mum was a worrier, but. It's a case of work out, think differently. Yeah. Think differently about the thing. Work out what it is. Do the, you know, the analysis. Why why they are worried? Why are they afraid of it? What are they afraid of? And reframe that and put that a different meaning to it. Yeah. Now, I remember that because sometimes in the middle of the night I could wake up of I've forgotten to do this for this patient. <laughs> And I'll get worried, you know, my husband would say, why are you waking up for this? I was like, oh, I don't know. And then I then I slowly change over the years, you know. I remember yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think when you when you sleep, when your sleep is not good, and I know, I know people have different sleep patterns, but when your sleep is not good, it really is looking at what can I do and how can I make my sleep better? Because we need sleep. Our body needs that rest. You know, I mean, you you know, Irene, you're a doctor. If we actually did what doctors told us to do, like eat well, sleep, you know, well. sleep well, exercise. Um, exercise, hydrate, you know, and not get overweight, you know, the, the, the obesity thing. If we actually did what we were told, we wouldn't have half the problems we've We got. wouldn't have sickness. No. Sickness, diseases are the body in disease. Yeah, exactly. You know, usually it's out of balance. Yeah. <laughs> I completely agree with you. It's yeah. uh, it's a lot of it is self-induced lifestyle. 
I mean, genetic problem, you can't do anything about it. But actually, uh, a lot of the things we could we do can change the epigenetics, you know, and that's why understanding the epigenetics is important. But anyway, uh, Julie, I love what we're discussing. It's so deep. And I love it. I know my audience is really going to enjoy this about stress. So how how about conflict management? What do you do with, with people when they've got conflict management issues? Um, I go back to the root cause of the problem. What caused the conflict in the first yeah. place? And, and actually and be, be, be honest about it, be yeah. transparent about it and face it, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But, I mean, there's four words. and I'll, I'll, So there's a, a process, basically. And you can... So remember, I'm an ex-auditor and I'm an ex-accountant. So my analysis of a situation takes me back to the root cause. Now, I know why I do that now. When I first started doing it, it was just something I did. I had never analysed what I actually do. But there's four words. And generally, conflict is caused. So there's um, goal, role in business, goal, role, process, relationships. Mm. So generally speaking, you will see conflict at the relationship level. And what people try and do within business is repair a relationship but that's not the root. That's not the cause of the problem. That's the result of the problem. So when you track it back up within business, more often than not, conflict is caused because people are working to different goals. Ah, it's the goals, role, process, processes and the relationship. Yeah. So if you track it back to the root cause, mm. more often than not, it's because the goal has become unclear or changed. Not and somebody's clear. doing something and somebody else is doing something else. Mm. If it's not the goal, if that's really clear, then look at the role. And the role is about where we, um, what what do we actually do? Who are we? Mm. What's our role? Mm. Quite often at that level, what when conflict is caused, is that somebody is interfering or trying to do something or... Mm. They're not conducting their role. They're not living the role that they were employed to do. It's not a person. It's a it's a position. It's a job, if you like. And of course, humans fill the job. And then the third one down is processes. So processes is around how we do things. Mm. That's all your policies, your procedures, your systems. You know what time things have to be done. And very often, very 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 often, it will be one of those three things that's gone out of alignment but where you see it is in the relationship mm. wow interesting so is track it? back track back to the originating problem and deal wow. with that and the relationships get better wow can i my, so, my default yeah so so in all these years so many years 30 years of working all this can you name a case that is so interesting? You found that, you know, you're there and you really solved the problem. It's like million pounds of like, um, uh, uh, you know, like it's so rewarding for you. So is there like an example? Of course, you can't name names, but you find that, oh, my goodness, this is the case that I'll remember for the rest of my, my life. I've got, I've got, I've got a few. Just choose uh, one, no worries. Something okay. that you I'm quite I'll choose easy. one, young guy, and because we've just been talking about stress and it's it's come to my mind. Young guy, he had been promoted. So he'd been on a training program, he'd been promoted, he'd moved, 
he'd uh, so moved quite a distance away from where he was born and bred. His partner had got pregnant. They weren't married, living together, engaged, anything. She'd she'd become pregnant. Um, he then had this promotion. He'd then moved. Something had happened to his dad. Mm. Can't remember what that was. Something had happened to his dad, and I got, and he was on a training program, and I was talking about stress, and we got to about half ten in the morning, and this, it was only, I must have been, maybe twenty, mm. really good looking young man. I mean, really fit, really good looking, and I could see tears rolling down his face, mm. and I'm thinking, oh, this is interesting. Mm. carried on the program we got to the break I had a conversation with him and um and I checked he was okay and he said yeah he was fine he, he wanted to sit there um and listen and we got to the break had a conversation with him he come back in we went through the other exercises and, and the stuff we were going to do and when we left that program that course um I phoned his manager up. So I was in-house training at that point. I was employed by the company. I phoned his manager up and said, what's going on with so-and-so? And they said, oh, we're, we're calling him in in the morning for a disciplinary. He's underperforming. Really? And I said, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Because as a company, we have put him in an untenable position. And if anybody actually had compassion for what he's going through currently... We need to be helping him, not disciplining him. And what happened What happened from that was he took a step back from the promotion. He um, reduced his hours. He shifted his position to going back to where he, like his family was, where his girlfriend and his you know, newborn was, was going to be. Um, and then about, and I saw, I didn't keep in touch with him because that wasn't my position, but I was keeping in, I was keeping my eyes on what was going on with him, if that mm. makes sense. Because I knew that the organisation were really tough and I didn't want him to be a, a victim of that. So I was keeping my eye on it, but it nothing to do with me in reality. Mm. And um, then I heard that he left. I think I left the organisation and then somebody told me he had left the organisation and about... Four years after that, I got a message from him and he said, you saved my life. Wow. Wow. But yeah, it's, it's pretty powerful stuff. When you know, when you know, I'm going to say what you're doing and you've got the confidence to have the conversations with people, you can 100% change people's lives for the better. Mm. Because if he'd have carried on down the route he was going, A, he would have been disciplined. He would have been out of a job because they would have ended up dismissing him. So he'd have been out of a job. That would have added financial pressures yes. to him and his scenario and situation. And he would have felt, well, mm. I, I don't know what he would have felt, but I could imagine he would have felt pretty useless. He was borderline going over the edge when I was talking to him. Yeah, because this kind of thing, really the stress can actually hit the confidence of somebody and their performance and they start questioning their ability yeah that, and, that he, and he was because he wasn't so he'd taken the promotion to get the additional money um and to get the promotion because he wanted to work his way up through the bit through that particular company mm -hmm. of course he couldn't perform because there was so much other stuff so you could have said and a lot of people do say this stress is work related 
it's part of it. Stress mm. comes at us or pressure comes at us from every angle, family, friends, personal situation, financial situation, um, situation and work. Yeah. yeah, it's not just one thing. Yeah, I think I, I think as leaders and also business owners, we have to have the compassion. Yeah, we do, and we've still got to get a bottom line. <laughs> of course, you you need to look after. I mean, some people would obviously play the system, isn't it? I understand, yeah. you know, because yeah. I write a lot of sick notes. I can tell you that, you know, yeah. but yeah. Uh, you know, it's another one as well. I'll share another one. This was um an older lady. She was a director in a company. Um, I had been employed by this company to do a whole suite of training programs for them. I got called in about three years after the previous, the last sort of training session. I've done some one-on-ones with a few people, got called in. Um, and again, this female, she was a director. Um, and she was just about to be called into disciplinary. And they called me in first mm. to find out what was going on. And basically, this particular individual she had stuff going on at home and she was a very nice lady very nice heart of gold and she couldn't have the conversations with her staff team to get them to do the work oh basically she was taking the work back to do it herself and she thought she was actually doing the right thing but of course what that led to happening was that staff team complained to the company about her because they knew they weren't achieving target. Um, And I went in to speak to her and she looked at me, tears in her eyes and said, I've got myself into a bit of a pickle, haven't I? (laughs) (laughs) By being too nice. (laughs) Yes, you have. So what what ultimately happened there was I told her, I, I spoke to the HR department, Mm. And I actually said to them, A, you've got to show compassion. B, you've got to put her off sick um, and pay her because there was financial implications as well. She had something like, I think it was about two, two and a half years maybe to retirement Mm. at the time. So, and she'd worked for this organisation for a very long time, a long time. Mm. I said to the company, I don't know what her pension is. I don't know, you know, how many years she's got to full pension. Um, and I don't know what you can do about that and if you can make it up and whether she wants to come back or not, you know, don't know. Mm. But in the meantime, she needs to be allowed to go sick with no detriment to her because she needs to, she needs to get out of the situation she's in. So they, um, and I'd spoken to her about about it as well. Not, you know, I couldn't promise anything, but I'd said to her, you know, and she didn't want to go, she didn't want to go sick. Because oh. she still felt she was doing a good job. Oh, so I had to have. I had that conversation with her. I said, "Look, you're not. Your staff team are complaining about you. The results aren't coming in. And sometimes, as an external body, as an external mm-hmm. person, you can have that conversation better than the company can have." Mm. And of course, she knew me. She trusted me. Um, she knew I what sort of you know high regard I was held in by the company she'd been through all the programs and she actually said to me if I'd have actually done what you told us to do three years ago I wouldn't be in this situation would I, I said no you wouldn't what stopped you putting it all into practice but then the company's liable as well because they didn't follow up with her they allowed her to get into that situation 
Yeah, it takes months to years to get into that state. Yeah. But That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's so when we lead and manage, mm. the better we do that, and the more capable and competent we are at doing that, mm. and the more we know, and the more we can flex doing what we do and how we're doing it, we 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 enable people to be really good at what they do. Yeah. When we, don't know what we're doing or we think we know what we're doing or we're not really very flexible or we just think everybody's going to get on with it on their own we can destroy lives of course yeah so so going back to self-awareness so what would be your key point to help people to be self-aware now i would say look at your values work out what your values are Mm. and then look at how they then transform into the beliefs look at how that then drives your every action and behavior Mm. track it back to the results that you've got or that you are getting Mm. and change it Mm. you know i'm not saying change your values but recognize how that is affecting your behavior i'll give you a classic example of this i was doing some work with a woman a couple of years ago Mm. her primary value was freedom as she was employed had a job primary value was freedom so what did and she was on reception so what did that mean for her her job her job on reception meant that she should be there at half past eight in the morning Mm. to open up reception open up the switchboard start taking the calls and it was busy what did she want to do be out walking her dog so she'd roll into work maybe quarter to nine ten to nine and wow. could not understand why her manager wanted to have a conversation with her. Wow. Freedom. Uh, <laughs> you know, everybody was calling in. Yeah. So so for me, now it would be look at your values, look at how they translate into your beliefs, and look at your beliefs about what you believe about people, especially if you're in management leadership position. But I would do this in life in general. Look at the values, look at the beliefs they form, look at how that affects your behaviour, look at what that means for how you interact with other people. Mm. And if you are not getting the results that you you want to get or the organisation wants you to achieve, mm. track it back, mm. look at what it really means, yeah. identify the key principles like rules, guidelines of what you need to do mm. to then change the behaviour. Wow, okay. You see, the problem is sometimes people have blind spots. Mm-hmm. They're not very honest with themselves. They think no, that they yeah. are like this, but actually not. Yeah. So if they are doing it by themselves, would you not think that sometimes they might just lie to themselves? Yeah. I in in a business context, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'm gonna say allow people to do it for themselves. Within a business context, you the the business really needs to demonstrate what is required so for leaders it is you know being the role model um and for for business it is absolutely 100% about having those open honest transparent conversations about performance and i say performance behavior is performance mm. you know so if you're seeing somebody doing something that's not not suitable you have the conversation but you do it to 
you do it in a way that enables them to hear it. This is where transparency comes in. You do it in a way that enables them to hear it so they can change because they understand why mm. things have to change. Mm. Um, and for yourself as an individual, if you're not getting the results that you want, I mean, really look at what's going on for you because as an individual, we have so many blockers. And, you know, we are a product of our environment. We are a product of our upbringing. We are a product of our culture, whatever that might be. We are a product of what has gone before, generationally, mm. in some instances. Mm. So if we're not getting the results or something is stopping us doing something, mm. then work with a coach, work with a mentor, work with somebody who can enable you to really look at the root cause of the problem. Mm. You know, I mean, yeah, I was. And again, when you're working with a coach and a mentor, if they haven't got a coach or a mentor themselves, then there's something not quite right. That's right. Yeah. I know usually uh, it's that, you know, that they have actually worked on themselves and then now they understand. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is what uh, what if they are directors? They are the business owners. <laughs> they still need to be given feedback. Yeah. So those are, that means they're going to have to get somebody like you to come in and yeah. actually work with them. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I, I've got some clarity when I when we date with destiny but you know what I can scramble it again and I now understand why people have to do it very often yeah because it, it change and and things evolve and sometimes you see clarity certain situation bring the clarity and you realize oh my goodness now I see the light you know yeah. you know what I'm saying yeah I do and I think when we when we become truly self-aware and I do truly believe that's an evolving process because what you <laughs> you think you know it all and then all of a sudden you learn something else and you're like oh okay then so that's got now got to come into play but when when we are self-aware and we are prepared and willing to look at self mm. you know because we none of us are perfect mm. it would be nice to say we are but we're not mm. um when we're truly willing to look at self and to look at the results we're getting and how we get them and whether they're serving us and others, you know, whether we're in a relationship, married, children, whatever. It's a really powerful thing. And when we truly look at ourselves, we can design mm. how we behave in the world. We can design mm. how we respond to things rather than reacting. Of course. And, and that is such a powerful place to be. So with this with this transparency which i have been practicing for a very long time yeah. i am transparent with checkout operators i'm transparent with bus drivers i'm transparent with somebody i'd sit on a train with i'm transparent with any business interactions i have yeah. you know i'm transparent when i'm asking for something i'm transparent when i'm refusing something wow it's but it's the principle it's my core being yeah. that enables that to be really easy for me to do now wow because you've been consistent I had to learn it I mean don't get me wrong I've had yeah. to learn it but the yeah. principles are what I follow and they're they're embedded they're practiced they're yeah they're regularly practiced so it makes it easier to do and and not just that because when you have this value and you are aligning you are coherent 
you are consistent, actually yourself, that deep inside you, you have more confidence. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know you are congruent. Yeah. That congruency, it's so important. And um, wow, we're getting so much gem here, really. Wow, you're throwing all these things. I mean, but uh, yeah, I know we're, we're getting all these things, you know. There's a few other things, but I think we we are getting along with time. I'm taking so much of your time, squeezing everything okay. out of you. Um, but I've got so many questions. But as you know, we we're probably going to have to do part two, part three, because I wanted to understand about true wealth. Because remember your yeah. other book, you know, and then yeah. something else is coming out. Yeah. Um, and then you talk about the hexagon of true wealth as well. Yeah. Um, okay, before that, can I ask you, why do you call your program Conscious Leadership? Because it's about being conscious of why we do things. So, I mean, I've listened to many speakers over the years, off, you know, on big stages, talking about the fact that someone somewhere has identified that we are 95% habit. Mm. So when you really think about 95, if, if that's the figure, if we're 95% habit, Basically, what that means is that the majority of every decision we make, the majority of every action we take, the majority of everything we do is an unconscious process. It's a habit. So we don't know what we're doing. So I talk about conscious leadership because it is really looking at what 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 is driving us unconsciously to do what it is we do. Mm. And when you bring that up to the fore you can then analyze it assess it look at what it is and change it because if our habits are not serving us Mm. change them Mm. now that's really simple to say not quite as easy to do but if if we are it's that it's the definition of insanity that einstein talks about you know if if you're if you want a different result you've got to do things differently definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting the same reasons yeah can i ask you with we we i mean me me and you we're ladies isn't it do you think that men have got good self-awareness no i find it's quite hard because it's so hard sometimes to make them understand yeah, well, that's the whole thing. So I was very clear on my, no, I don't. But then I don't think many women have either. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I'm not like lumping everybody in. Yeah. But I'm just saying that. Yeah. I mean, I, I have to work on my self-awareness. Even now, I think I need to go on a course or your book. <laughs> you know, you've got a book on self-awareness, right? Not yet. There will be. Yeah. So you've got one on goal setting, yeah. one on uh stress. Yeah. There's one, what was the one on coaching? One coaching model. Oh, yeah, code. Yeah, the grow, grow is it? Grow Grow coaching model. Um, I'm writing one with um, co author Emmanuel Ezekiel on true wealth, yeah, um, which is clearly much more than money. Um, and then I'm just starting to write one on six, I'm going to call it success thinking because how we think everything starts with a thought, yes, right, yes, yes. Okay, can I ask you? So mm-hmm. what do you think are the great qualities of leaders? I'm going to say honesty. Honesty, yeah. It, honesty, compassion, communication is absolutely key. And I say communication, that I'm not saying 
talk a thousand words where two will do because that's not effective communication mm. but really understanding what communication is and effectiveness have so the vision for for true leaders it's visionary true leaders are i'm gonna say almost say catalysts for change mm. but it's honesty it's being i'm gonna say available being seen so the visibility linked mm. to it mm. it's about being able to engage people as in engage their heart their heart, their head, and their hands mm. to achieve the the vision, whatever the vision is. I mean, there's a there's so much to it, but a lot of it is about honesty. A lot of it's about visibility, and a lot of it is being able to trust. Is huge, you know. Yeah, trust. You, you have to be as a leader. You have to be the role model, because if 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 you are the leader, and people do not believe you. Whether, regardless of your position, regardless of whether you're paying the salaries, you will not be the leader. The team will follow someone else. Mm, interesting. Yeah, it, it's it's so it's the trustworthiness. Yeah, it's the utilization of the appropriate power. Mm. To get the result in the best way for all. Wow. It's all. Almost, it's almost selfless. There's something called servant leadership, where the leader yeah. is the position, the leadership position is there seeking to serve others. So, yeah, that's yeah, that's very good. So, wh- what is your definition of success? That's one of my questions. So, you're writing a book on it, but we don't need a, the 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 writing of a book. Just use well, success like is simple. Yeah, success is different. Again, it's different to everybody. Yeah, everybody. So, what what's my success? My success is having freedom and having honest conversations and I love I mean for me this this conversation we've had tonight is success I think so yeah so for me that's a definition of success but it's different for different people I know yeah some people want to build empires some people want a lifestyle Mm. some people want 20 million pound in the bank other people would be happy with a hundred thousand so what is success mm. some people want to drive a bugatti and others <laughs> would be happy to be on a push bike you know yeah what is success some people want to run an ultra marathon and some people want to be able to walk around the block so do you think the bottom line is what are their highest values and needs and if they achieve that do you think that they will feel successful um never been asked that before yeah i think so yeah, I think so. I mean, I think there are some standardized levels of success for people. But saying that, I'm going to contradict myself because for some people, success is having a job. For other people, success is being out of a job. For some people, success is having a six pack. <laughs> for some people, success is actually being able to pay for the food on the table. You yeah. Know, it's, it's so different. It's different. And it changed with time as well and circumstances and situation. I think the ability to feel successful, again, it's a change, you know, that ability. Yeah. And I think it, I think success, what's successful when you're 20 will be different when you're 40, oh, yeah. which will be very probably different again when you're 60 60 yeah that's right it's yeah it's just it changes because we we evolve Mm. 
society evolves. Mm. Yeah. So the next question is, do you feel fulfilled? Um, The majority of the time I do. Mm. There are, you know, there are moments where I don't, but that's me beating myself up about Yeah, we do that, isn't it? (laughs) Um, Am I fulfilled? Yeah, I think so. Most of the time. I've got to, I've got to, um, a very comfortable position with myself. Yeah. Personally with myself. Have I got everything I want? No. But am I working towards having everything I want? Yes. You know, have I got the plan? Yes. Do I know what I'm doing? Yes. Do I wake up with a smile on my face? Yes. Yeah. Am I always happy? No, of course not. Because everything's in balance. Yeah. Do I have brilliant days? Yes. Oh, yes, I do. And do I have some off days? Yeah. Mm. Had one yesterday. I'm like, I don't know what was going on yesterday. But today I had a brilliant day. Yeah. Wow. That's the thing, isn't it? Um, I think it's, I I mean, for me, it's always, you know, gratitude. You know, every day, just just make my, it brightens my life. And I go through the same ritual in a sense, just to, you know, be the drive, be that, you know, energy giver. For me to be full of energy, you know, because I've got so much to do, these, that, and all this, and the energy is there, and this is what I need to do, you know. And with this kind of thing, the once I get the energy, I can just able to balance all stress. For me, it's not stress anymore because yeah. I've redefined it. I put a different perception to it. Yeah. And that's how it changed, you see. And yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Julie, it's such a good conversation. I know I've thrown some really difficult questions. I haven't even covered goal setting yet because <laughs> obviously I think that will be part two or part three because you've got so much juice to give, you know. Thank you so much, Julie. Oh, for- you, you are more than welcome. You are more yeah. than welcome. I mean, it's one of the reasons I do what I do because I've got to get the stuff that's in my head out. I know you've got so much to give, yeah. isn't it? And and the thing for me as well, maybe you know, maybe we this is my last thing, but everything's connected. Yeah. So nothing sits in isolation. Everything connects. Yes. So when you work out that everything connects, you'll do something here, but it's going to impact on that over there. Mm. And then you'll do something here that'll impact on that over there. Mm. Nothing sits in isolation. It's all like um it's like a living organism. Yeah. It sort of ebbs and flows and yeah just sort of joins together and molds and melts wow 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 I you know what once I've got to know you I really really look up to you I'm anxious how your mind works you know in a sense that I, I wanted to know what what made you think because what made you think that way did you understand what I'm saying yes. to be successful is to see how they get to where they are. Because I want to be able to think so objective, also at the same time so fluid and so subjective. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, not not just didactic, not just too strict, but actually flow, you know, that I could give, you know, an answer. Um, because you like model answer. All, over the years as a doctor, I've been trained to just regurgitate model answers, you know, this and that. But over the years, I realized the success come from complexity, gray area, debates, you know, because 
you know, I remember Pete Cohen was talking about it just just few days ago. He was saying that everybody has their their worldview, their different perspective. You know, yeah. just like the Chinese say, you got this right, the left. You know, if I look at you now, my my right is your left, my left is your right. So he was saying that we got up, down, back, front. You know, you know yeah. everything. So everybody has got perspective. We're not just one way. You know, not just one answer. And then over the years, I think the more I can teach my kids that, the better people, like they will be a better person because then they will be more understanding. They'll be more compassionate. They'll be able to find solution because it's yeah. not just one way. No, it's not. And I'll tell you one of the things I have truly valued throughout my life is travel. And when you travel and you see other cultures, and, you know, and then we come back to the third world, the, the, sorry, the first world we live in. We are so fortunate. Fortunate. And, you know, and when you've talked to somebody on a beach in another country and they base and they're, you know, they're educated and they've got a brilliant mind, but they've got no electricity. They've got no running water. Um, you know, the clothes they've got are the ones they've got on their back, basically. And we've got all of what we've got here. Mm. What have we got to complain about? No, man. That's that's the that's the thing you see. Gratitude. Yeah. Oh, you know. And you, you, yeah. I mean, travel just opens up. Some of the poorest people in the world have got hearts of gold and a joyful spirit. I and know. You, yeah, and you you. And they're most giving. Yeah. They've got nothing and they'll still give, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I was, I was like, I, I, I've seen a lot of those in Malaysia as well. And yeah, uh, yeah we, I've got so much to learn from them, you know. Sometimes when yeah. I start moaning and I look at myself, come on, shut up, you know. Don't moan anymore. Come on, you've got this, that, and this and that. And I have to tell myself off, you know. That's what I do, you know, when you go into this, ah, oh, no, you know, and then you just go back and say, come on, you've got all this, you know, what are yeah. you thinking about, you know? Yeah, we, we make our own lives hard. Yeah, yeah, by being critical, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. by being very um, pedantic, very picky, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. And, we, and we just don't have to be. You don't have to be. Yeah, I've learned now, you know, slowly. I, I understand, you know, my husband doesn't like it when I criticize, you know, when I comment. You say, you've already received this. What else do you want? You know, I said, I'm so sorry. You know, I just want to improve the situation. I'm just giving feedback, you know. And then sometimes I always ask him, so how do you want me to give the feedback? In the way that he likes. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Not everybody likes feedback, I have to say. <laughs> I, I love feedback, yeah. I love so feedback. I. Even if you tell me feedback, I, I love it, you know. Yeah. And um, that's how we learn, isn't it? And mm. some sometimes people don't deliver it in the best way, but we can still unpick it and take the best message, the best bits of the part, whatever it is that we need to learn out of it. Yeah, I, I really enjoy this session, Julie. And this is often oh, the deep conversation. And when I started meeting up with you and just having that share with you, I realized that, wow, we are getting this very insightful, very warm, very deep and really honest, you know, being vulnerable. Yeah. You know, that is when relationships grow. And yeah. I've learned that, you know, and I've learned to be 
vulnerable, you know, I don't mind to open up and tell the truth, you know, because in a sense, that's how relationship builds, you know, some people yeah. will, will get scared, but I'm not scared. I say, if you find it hard to see what I've just shared, it's fine. That's just me being transparent, you know, and uh, I'd rather that you know that, but if you are fearful of it, that's fine, you know, but I'm here to open up my heart so that we can connect because it's no point having fake relationship. Hi, bye, you know, it's no point. No, I agree. You know what I'm saying, isn't it? Yeah, I do. Because I think we are in that same wavelength. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, if you've got a relationship that's not true, it's just a part of me is like, why Why would you have that? Mm, that's it. Yeah. Thank you so much, Julie. Oh, you're we'll have more part than two and part three again because I still haven't finished. But you know what? I don't want uh, the, the podcast to be too long because they're all of them are gems and I don't want people to stop halfway because uh, everything you come out from your mouth is golden, you know. And Julie, thank you so much. And can you tell us how can we connect with you? Uh, yeah, the best place to connect with me, I'm on all the social media um, platforms, um, but the probably the best place to connect with me is my website. So there's article juliehogbin.com. There's articles on it. Um, the um the most recent episode on the podcast of the Conscious Leadership Podcast also appears on that. So you can link through yeah. um the membership site on it currently because I'm just gonna get all of this out. Um, but it's probably the easiest. There's a contact me form on there if anybody wants to message me. And on then on LinkedIn, Facebook. Yeah. Um, you know, where wherever. But it's Julie Hogbin. That's that's what I trade under. Lovely, lovely. And everybody, please connect with Julie. And obviously she's given such, you know, golden nuggets and really valuable insights and information that's obviously, you know, when you're in this type of work, business, leadership, you know, you're gonna get her, you know, her message very precious and very important. Thank you very much for listening.